Welcome to another edition of Mormonland. I'm Dave Noyce, and I oversee our faith coverage. I'm joined again by senior religion reporter Peggy Fletcher Stack. Hi, Peggy. Hi, Dave. Well, for many voters, including a number of Latter-day Saints, this year's presidential election comes down to one issue, abortion. They may not like Donald Trump, but they believe he will support the cause of protecting the unborn. At the same time, many other voters, including a number of Mormons, have a more complex view of that issue, with some pointing to the more nuanced stance of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints itself. So how might this debate play out among Latter-day Saints, especially in Utah? And how might the current battle over the Supreme Court and talk of toppling Roe v. Wade affect the election outcome? Here to discuss this and other issues dividing Latter-day Saint voters is Morgan Lyon Cotty, Associate Director of the Hinckley Institute of Politics at the University of Utah. She joins us today from her office via Zoom. Morgan, welcome back to Mormon land. Always happy to be here, even when it's a very challenging topic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, good luck with this, okay? Um, <laughs> so um, let's start right there. If, if you ask a number of Latter-day Saints whether the church is pro-life and Many would say yes. Uh, we know because we've asked. It's, it's not scientific, but just anecdotally. So is the church's position on abortion pro-life? Well, I want to actually ask Peggy that question because in my research for this, uh, she actually wrote an article a couple of years ago about how some would be surprised by the church's stance. Mm-hmm. Um, the church, you know, sometimes people think about abortion as this black and white issue. It is not there is so much gray there for voters. It is so nuanced and a lot of voters, a lot of people really struggle with how to think about this and how to vote on this. And because the church is has a lot of gray area, they abortion is allowed in certain situations. And also there's not very clear directives from the church on when quote unquote life begins that they really leave it up to members to try to figure out what their uh, thoughts on this should be. So how does that differ, Morgan, from, say, uh, traditional pro-life groups, I guess you could say, or maybe even the Catholic Church or many evangelical communities? Right. Well, especially with evangelical, uh, there is that strong line, life begins at conception. Uh, The evangelicals, like Mormons, um, are pretty consolidated when it comes to uh, politics and how they align. Um, It's trickier with Catholics because you do also have um, that line from the pulpit, if you will. But a lot of We also get into complicated things with Mormonism that uh, you can be a baptized person but not identify as a Mormon because of your activity level and interesting cultural things within the Mormon faith. Um, That's not the case necessary with Catholicism. You can be a lapsed Catholic. You can be a very, very inactive Catholic. You can be an atheist Catholic. And so you see a huge variation on opinions about abortion within different faiths using Catholicism as that example. So how do you see the issue playing out, the issue of abortion playing out among Mormons in general and in Utah specifically? Yeah, so as you said, there's not a ton of polling on this, so it can be difficult to parse through. Pew does track over time um, how different religions view abortion, and Mormons do stay pretty steady. One of the interesting things we see with uh, Mormon voters is... Uh, 
that are, can often, their views on abortion at least, can really be um, determined, determined isn't the right word, you, you can parse through these with uh, party identification. And you can see this as well uh, when people talk about it, when people write about it, they're often using uh, those justifications from their conservative or liberal ideology rather than justifications based on their faith or based on lessons or talks that they've heard. So, Morgan, do you think this is, you brought up party identification. Do you think this is one of the markers that, that, that members of, uh, of the LDS church look at when they're deciding which party they identify with? In other words, it may but not be really high on their list of priorities uh, for candidates, but when they're trying to identify with a party, um, it, it seems like you hear that a lot from members. Um, is there any research that shows that? There's a lot of research about how people identify with party and party and political socialization. And it usually starts far younger than when people are even aware of abortion. Um, and so their views might be formed, you know, at the dinner table, hearing parents or family talk about um, issues or talk about politics, and they may be identifying as a Democrat or as a Republican even before they know about these really tricky issues. Um, that said, we certainly see liberals who are, uh, very, very pro-life. We see conservatives who are starting to lean a little more pro-choice, though we've um, that is becoming more of a rare thing. Um, it's just such a tricky. It's just such a tricky question, um, it, and I I do think you're right. And I was in fact just speaking with um, some colleagues that it used to be the case that when there was a new candidate, you'd be asking them, "How do you feel about the Second Amendment? How do you feel about abortion? How do you feel about this?" And now it's almost just assumed that if you are a Democrat, you are thinking this way about abortion. If you are a Republican, you are thinking this way about abortion. And we're not hearing about it as much in electoral politics, but we sure are hearing a lot about it when it comes to nominating justices. That's my next question, as a matter of fact, Morgan. With the nomination fight over Judge Amy Coney Barrett, it's, it's raised the stakes with many believing, well, the Affordable Care Act, but in this case, our topic now, Roe v. Wade could be threatened with her ascension to the Supreme Court, or at least pending, uh, looks like, ascension. How might that factor play into decisions voters, especially Latter-day Saint voters, make on whom to support for president? Yeah, the Supreme Court was really important in 2016, not just for Utahns and not just for Latter-day Saints. We saw that nationwide with Republicans, and you heard a lot of language of, you know, people are they might not like this about uh, then-candidate Trump, um, but they will eat their vegetables, they'll plug their nose and eat their vegetables and um, figure out how to, how to do this because they really supported um, that, thought, that, th that line of thinking that the judges matter. We can't have these liberal courts that are changing how we think about the world and how we govern the world. And I think at the root of that really is the abortion debate. And the Hinckley actually recently polled Utahns. Um, this was from September on what were the most important issues. And we listed um, COVID-19, the economy, education, abortion, the courts, the Second Amendment. And we saw, by and large, people are really just focused on COVID-19 and the economy. It was like 60% of votes. Um, but if you do, and then healthcare was at 12%. Um, the lower you go down, though, 11% of Utah said that the Supreme Court was the most important issue for them, and 4% said it was abortion. And I think that you can look at the Supreme Court and see that 
a little bit that that is a proxy for abortion for some. Um, so I think a lot of people do look at that. The Democrats are doing a better job, though, of messaging that as well and talking about how the courts aren't just about abortion. The courts are also about the Affordable Care Act and they're about racial justice. They're about all these other things. And they are trying to turn out voters based on that as well. So uh, go back to that uh, poll for a second. I don't know, 4% doesn't sound like a high number to me of people that care about, you know, think that that's the big issue. It's been, as a reporter, my observation that Latter-day Saints just don't see abortion as the end-all, be-all issue that other Christians do. Am I reading that wrong, Morgan? Or what do you think? You know, I think you're right. And when it comes to Utah politics, of course, everybody knows we're a very red state and we have voted that way now for decades. But there are issues where uh, Republicans in Utah um, and how much of that is the LDS vote um, is up for debate, but that they are a lot more pragmatic than um, or even progressive than some of their counterparts in other states. And we see that here with abortion. We see that with immigration. Um, we saw that in the last election with uh, health care and also with medical marijuana. So, and I think there are elements of that that can be tied back to the Mormon faith. We often talk about how Mormons' um, views on immigration or on international issues can be linked to these LDS missions and this culture of a global faith. Um, and I think with abortion, it can also get to the fact that, you know, as if you're a practicing member and you know what the church's policies are, uh, you know that this is complicated. You know that there is nuance and perhaps you can't go, to, you know, you can't make it black and white. Um, so uh, do you think, what are the, is this a reason though, that some Latter-day Saints are voting Trump for Trump, you think? I, at the margins, I think certainly. And then it was certainly used as that justification in 2016. Uh, Mike Pence famously visited Utah just weeks before the election and told the Republicans to come home. And that was part of, you know, part of that was him representing, this is what the traditional Republican conservative values looks like. Um, but I think also was that huge focus on the Supreme Court, which, as I said, I, I think for a lot of Republicans, you, they hear Supreme Court, and that's supposed to trigger that idea about those abortion battles, some of those other, and some of those other battles where, you know, they, they don't want the liberals to take over, the quote-unquote liberals to take over. Uh, whether that works in 2020 is a different topic, because uh, we saw that Utah was part of that blue wave in 2018, and that blue wave was mostly moderate suburban voters electing moderate suburban candidates that were focused on health care and other issues. So if this, and I think that the Biden-Harris campaign is really trying to drill that in. This is about health care. This is about caring about your neighbor, focusing less on those really polarizing issues like abortion. Morgan, that kind of leads to a question I wanted to ask about the campaigns and what they're doing in the Western swing states. And I'm thinking especially places like Arizona, which have a substantial more 
block. Uh, it's not Utah, and, and Utah certainly doesn't seem to be in play necessarily to to flip in any way. But Arizona looks like it could, and and how how Mormons vote there because they have a sizable population could affect how that sways how that state swings. Um, let me ask you, what's the most effective pitch? Put your campaign strategist hat on. What would be the most effective pitch that, say, the Biden campaign or in the Trump campaign could give to Mormons to win their vote? This is an excellent question. And for anyone who's listening who hasn't yet listened to your podcast um, episode with McKay Coppins, I would encourage them to listen to that. Um, <laughs> because McKay has really studied this and has published about the fact that there are hundreds of thousands of LDS voters in Nevada and Arizona. Um, Nevada, Nevada is looking less swingy. Uh, now it's looking a little more comfortably blue for those Democrats, but Arizona certainly looks like it could swing from Republican to Democrats. Um, I think for, for the Democrats to try to make that pitch to those LDS voters, uh, you know, you always have to focus on the economy, no matter how, um, how your ideology may swing at the end of the day. Uh, we know that the economy is important to how both Democrats and Republicans vote. And Hillary Clinton learned that lesson, certainly the very hard way in 2016. Uh, but I think the Biden um, message on empathy and on health care really speaks to a lot of LDS voters. Um, that said, I think also that Republican um, line about conservative family values, I think also speaks to that. Um, I think they have to be careful with that because people's families look different and people's neighborhoods look different than maybe traditionally what people think about as those traditional American conservative values look like. So... Um so what are the other political issues that are dividing Latter-day Saints, you think? Oh, this is an excellent question. It doesn't seem to me that immigration is the same, it has the same intensity as 2016. Are you seeing that too? That, that was a big Trump issue, uh, President Trump issue in the campaign. Um, yeah, so I'm just trying to think through this. What are some of these other issues? Because, you know, it, it does get tricky because Republicans really are this very, or excuse me, LDS voters have traditionally been very Republican. Um, and we are seeing that the parties just in general have coalesced around certain issues and you don't see a ton of um, disagreement within those, though, of course, there's still a range. Uh, I think... Latter-day Saint voters can still really disagree about immigration. And honestly, I think a lot of it comes down to how, uh, what your views on the economy are. You can, you, you can talk, LDS voters can talk about immigration um, and it can sound like they're agreeing, but at the end of the day, when it gets to the nitty gritty details of um, Dreamers and DACA and a wall uh, and how that affects their economy or their pocketbook or whether or not they or their children will get be able to get a job, I think then you can see some of those fissures. 
And the same can be said for healthcare. I think, again, we were just talking about 2018, and we've seen a lot of Utah's views have moderated on the Affordable Care Act um, and upon uh, on healthcare accessibility. Um, but again, you start to see those cracks when we start to talk about the impact on the economy and whether taxes might raise. And I don't think that's necessarily an LDS thing. I think um, that really is when it comes to party and how party frames the way we see the world. You know, you talk about the empathy angle that the Biden campaign is, is stressing. And, and that sort of seems to be part of their strategy of, of stressing the stylistic differences between Biden and, and Trump, uh, you know. Um, uh, and, and we know that, you know, the sort of decency angle. And we know that Latter-day Saints have always been uncomfortable with Donald Trump's style. Um, that seems like a smart strategy with Latter-day Saints spe- specifically, obviously with voters overall. Um, uh, how, do, how, how can the Trump campaign counter that? You know, at this point, I don't know if they're interested in countering that. By this point in 2016, uh, the campaigns, the Trump campaign had sort of moderated. We, they'd had the really uh, negative components of the campaign with some of uh, the rhetoric, the what was called racially charged rhetoric and the Access Hollywood tape and all those things. And as we said, Mike Pence and other surrogates were trying to sort of calm the waters, you know, steady the ship, make it seem not so polarizing. We're not seeing that right now. We And there is a strategy to that. Uh, people like to talk about the swing voters, um, but what a lot of political scientists will tell you, it's actually just about turnout and activating your base. And President Trump is certainly speaking to his base. He is using the language that has that got him elected in 2016. He's using those those lines and those strategies and hoping that that will sway the voters in Pennsylvania and Florida and Texas and Arizona and get them across that electoral college finish line. So speaking of that, what are the polls saying about Mormons supporting Trump? Are the numbers different than in 2016? You know, we, I actually just have the latest data uh, that we're pulling with, um, I'm sorry, your, your neighbor, Deseret News, here at the Hinckley <laughs> Institute. And one of the things that's really interesting, Trump is at about 50% in Utah. Biden is just under 40%. Um, among Republicans, as you'd expect, Trump has 82% of the support and just 9% are going for Biden. But then with LDS. And the thing that you should know, and a lot of times when you're looking through these crosstabs, the LDS line looks a lot like the Republican line. Um, But just 63% of LDS are supporting Trump right now with 26% supporting Biden. That's a huge difference. You know, that is, if I'm doing my quick math, that's a 19 point difference decline for Trump. Um, and that's a really big jump. That's a, that's a 17 point jump um, for Biden. And so that clearly shows us that, Repu- that Mormon voters are willing to break with some of their Republican friends on this and that there's still things about Trump that just don't sit well with them. Is Joe Biden faring better Uh, among Latter-day Saints than Hillary did? You know, one of the things that I, one of the polls that came out really recently that I thought was interesting was Y2 Analytics released a poll that showed uh, that Trump had about a nine or 10 point advantage over Biden in Utah, but that Biden was winning with women. 
And that was really telling to me that women, just like all of the other women that we're seeing nationally that are shifting further and further democratic, that even here in Utah, that that is an indi- that that is happening, and that should be a canary in the coal mine for a lot of Republican strategists who are focused on Nevada and Arizona. So, so, it, and I remember reading that poll, and that jumped out at me too. So, in, in Utah, women are outright favoring Joe Biden. If that poll held true, if men didn't vote, Utah could be a blue state. Oh, well, one of the fun things about after every election is if only women voted, if only men voted, if only this group voted. And the Electoral College looks very, very different. We are seeing an increasing gap between women and men. um, And that gender gap um, wasn't quite as big as people were expecting in 2016. I think people really thought that the women would turn out for Hillary Clinton um, and Trump still won white women. uh, But those white college educated women um, have not, especially have not stuck with him. And um, interestingly, I think it was NPR recently had a poll that even Biden, according to their poll, was getting a majority of white voters, something that we haven't seen since Carter. Wow. Um, speaking of political parties, do you ever do you foresee a time when Latter Day Saints might be more evenly split between the two parties? Uh, and what would it take for that to happen? You know, I've actually been thinking about this a lot because I I live just north of Salt Lake City in a suburb that cons- consistently votes in Republican legislators and Republican members of Congress. There are a lot of Biden signs in my neighborhood. I think I've only, in my city and the city next door, I've only counted a handful of Trump signs. And part of the really interesting thing about this as well is that there's a lot of bipartisan houses. There's a house with a Biden sign and a Republican legislator, a Republican state senator. And so this is one thing I'm really watching for, for are, is this shift to the left for these predominantly Mormon suburbs and Mormon neighborhoods? Is this just at the top? Is this just because they're turned off by Trump? Or is this um, the start of a larger shift where we are going to see more and more people voting, turning left? Um, And what kind of impact will that have on our state? Um, You know, and it's not just it's all obviously really important to talk about the LDS vote here in Utah, uh, but Utah is diversifying. We are growing. And as you two have discussed in your podcast numerous times, um, Gen or millennials and Gen Zers are not staying at the same activity levels as previous generations. And those are the people that are also more likely to vote democratic. So um, whether or not Mormons um, are going to shift Republican anytime in the next decade or not, they may have to face some harsh truths when their neighbors start putting out those Democratic signs and maybe even voting in those Democratic legislators. Do you think that this may have to, we won't really know the answer to that, if there's an answer, uh, until there's a post-Trump era, whenever that might be. Um, is, is Trump that different in this equation that, that you, you kind of want to see what kind of party emerges after him? I think so. I, I've talked to a lot of people who say, well, all the rules are different now. And I'm not convinced they are because a lot of the rules on what we find acceptable in congressional races or legislative races 
or other any other place of politics, um, they still hold pretty true. We still hold people accountable in other places, um, whereas where voters have um, dismissed a lot of Trump's behaviors that they wouldn't have allowed in in another president. So I'm really watching to see what happens, whether it's this January or in January in four years, to see how the Republican Party fashions itself, whether it's going to um, lean into that base that Trump has been able to activate, or if it... Um, you know, or if it tries to broaden that tent, which is what they were advised to do after Mitt Romney lost in 2012. That whole postmortem was about reaching out to other voters, reaching out to Hispanics, reaching out to Blacks, making sure that they had more support from women, um, which is not how Trump won in 2016 and not how he's trying to win apart from Hispanic voters and some Black men voters um, in 2020. Along that line, I was just going to say, I've observed that um, in in my neighborhood or, or I've, around, I've seen uh, Republicans who didn't vote for Hillary, but they also didn't vote for Trump in 2016. They voted for Evan McMullen or, or wrote in another candidate. And all of those people now are voting for Biden or say they're voting for Biden as uh, the first time in their lives ever voting for a Democrat. Have you seen that at all or? Yeah, we're hearing that from a lot of people and it seems to be a more common narrative. Obviously we don't know what side of the, of, or how this will all work out until after election day. But certainly the more common narrative right now is I voted for McMullen or I left the top of the ticket blank and for the first time in my life, I'm voting for Biden. Uh, I think there are also quite a few, especially older Mormon voters um, that I've heard talk about, um, but the economy was so doing so well before COVID-19, or they're focusing on, as we've talked about at the beginning, the importance of the courts. And so I think there are also, there is a contingency that's also going to be more likely to be voting um, Trump, but I think uh, we're also seeing at least visually, less of that either shy Democratic or Republican vote like we did in 2016, where people just didn't know how to make up their minds. People weren't turning in their ballots early. Um, people are turning in their ballots. We, I spoke to Justin Lee earlier today in the elections office here in Utah, and they've already received about a quarter of the ballots of the total turnout from 2016, and we're still just under two weeks away from the election. So people are motivated, they have made up their minds, and we'll find out which way it leans. Yeah, we're seeing that too, and we've had photographs of people lined up at drop boxes, and other people who decided they want to take it to a drop box at, let's say, the county office or something. And, yeah. and I think this weekend there's going to be a parade of people going to take their ballots uh, and dropping them off, which is fascinating. That said, they still want you to mail them. It's still the same. Exactly, they, don't want they do. This to be a super spreader. Yeah. Uh, but it is interesting, meaning. But in 2016, it was a storyline that Hillary Clinton was polling pretty close to Donald Trump, but it was because they were both like in the low 30s at the time, you know, mm -hmm. and now President Trump here in Utah is polling closer to 49 or 50 or 51 percent. But Biden is in the high 30s or low 40s, depending on the poll. And it has been a long time since the Democrat polled that high here in Utah. Yeah, so he could let, let's if if Biden broke forty. When, when is the last time, Morgan? Do you know? 
Oh, that's an excellent question. I'm trying to do this top of mind. <laughs> I mean, Obama, Obama did pretty well here in Utah. Um, but he still the first time broke 40 the first yeah. time. Yes. yes. Um, against McCain, but I still can't remember if he broke 40. Okay. He got 34%. Oh, okay. Yeah. So well, let me ask you uh, another question, kind of returning to uh, the future of partisanship, I guess, or the partisan breakdown within Mormonism itself among, mom, among members. We, we know that surveys have shown that younger Latter-day Saints are, more in, are a little bit more evenly split, at least right now, where they're at uh, it, between the two major political parties. If, if some balance is achieved more in the church, what's, what could be good or bad about that for members or maybe for the church itself as an institution? Are there advantages to having a, a more even split among the members? You know, I think a lot of the language that you hear about, that you're hearing come out of the LDS faith right now is about we're hearing more about inclusion. We're hearing more about standing up from your neighbor. A lot of people um, were made a lot out of the talks during general conference, the most recent one that focused on racial justice and having more of that diversity viewpoint, I think is more likely to keep those millennials and those um, Gen Zers interested and engaged. And beyond that, just feeling like they belong, feeling welcome. Um, I know for a lot of LDS people that I speak to, a challenge is that they they want to make sure that they feel represented and they feel welcome and that they're maybe not the only person who thinks like them or uh, looks like them in their ward house. And so having a little bit more of diversity of thought, I think, um, you know, this is my personal opinion, um, can really enrich any situation, including your, how you how you worship and the types of um, justifications that you use to stay attached to a faith that maybe is a really important part of your upbringing or your community. If nothing else, uh, Latter-day Saints are getting much, much more attention in some of these places from candidates, correct? Um, national candidates I'm talking about in this sense. I mean, uh, they're on the radar, obviously, in yeah. places like Arizona. That's they're certainly not being taken for granted anymore. We, we joke about flyover states and maybe Mormonism has been a flyover religion for some of these mm. candidates. They just took for granted that they had, that Republicans had the Mormon vote. And that's clearly not the case in Arizona right now. And we're seeing um, that Democrats are trying to make that not the case here in Utah. And in 2016, Hillary Clinton um, published an op-ed here in Utah that was so carefully tailored to the Mormon population. And really, it was some good staffing and it was some good writing that talked about the heritage and the culture here. And when she was here a few weeks ago for the vice presidential debate here at the University of Utah, Kamala Harris did the same thing. And she even visited local landmarks and talked about putting your shoulder to the wheel. And so Democrats are also saying, hey, we're not taking you for granted either. We the beliefs of the Democratic Party, we believe, align with some of your religious beliefs. Why don't you take a look? Hmm. Does abortion get in the way on that sometimes for Democrats? You know, I think it's more getting, I think, yes, it does get in the way 
for Democrats, but I think Republicans are also noting that it's getting in the way for them. Uh, there's been some interesting news coverage the last um, couple of days, really, that um, when being asked pretty direct questions about abortion, um, President Trump used to be very forthright and even talked about how women should be jailed or punished. And he later walked that back. And now when he's being asked those questions, the man who's famous for being off the cuff is being um, pretty coy and pretty mute about it, knowing that he could alienate um, some of those more moderate voters, including Mormons who are, you know, who have to wrestle with this very, very tr tricky topic. Mm -hmm. Well, Morgan Lyon Cotty, thank you so much for joining us today. Happy to. And stay safe, okay? You as well. Everybody stay healthy. Yes. And, and thanks. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And my mailbox is very close, so I, I, that's how I'm going to do it. So, <laughs> and thanks to Peggy Fletcher Stack. Always a pleasure. And to our producer, Sarah Weber. We remind our listeners that they can keep up on all the happenings in and about the church by subscribing to our free weekly newsletter. Just go to sltrib.com to sign up, and we'll talk again next time on Mormonland. Land.